Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Kent. And I'm Derek Morris. And whether you're pastoring a large church or a small country church, there's a lesson in our topic today that will be very helpful for you. Anthony, what's, what's our theme? Today, Derek, we're looking at ministering and reaching out to large communities, big urban centers, the metropolises of the world. You know, they're, they're growing at phenomenal rates. And unfortunately, many of those growing huge cities aren't incorporating Christianity into the fabric. So there's something important that we need to learn from this. You know, I grew up in the city of London, and, and I, I know how densely populated cities are and sometimes how people live in separate little buildings, almost like their own world. So learning how to reach out to people in those urban areas, that, that's really important. It is. And I'm delighted that we have a, a specialist who can come and, and lead us in our discussion, Gary Krauss. And uh, Gary has formidable insights into this, and I'm looking forward to those insights from him. I am too. Yeah. And we're, we're glad that you've joined us today. Stay with us for more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our guest today is Gary Krauss, and we're exploring reaching out to large metropolises, the urban centres. Gary, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Gary, why should we reach out to cities? What, why should we spend time on them and, and not the villages? Well, I don't think it's a question of either or, but we have to face the fact that in 2007, um, the month of May to be exact, for the first time in world's history, more people were living in cities than in rural areas. That's extraordinary. So we now have had this huge migration into the cities. And at the same time, churches, Christian churches, have tended to move out of the cities. So most churches today are more rural churches, and I don't want to say that we've totally, totally neglected the cities, but they are the mission fields. Yeah. Now, do you see this migration into the large cities as a, a temporary thing, or what, what, do you see it as an ongoing thing? Oh, I think, I think it's clearly an ongoing, growing thing. I mean, you look at you look at Africa, for example. Um, back in 1940, there was one city with more than a million people. Today, there's more than 80 yeah. and more than a million people. So it, it's, people are moving for so many reasons, for employment, for just to be able to earn an income. And it's not, it's not slowing down at all. Yeah. And, you know, some of these cities are just frighteningly large, aren't they? Oh, yeah. You, you know. Oh, yeah. You, you, you go into these... Um, densely populated cities like Dhaka in Bangladesh. I mean, you just have such a range of people from different tribes, different socioeconomic levels. It's just a very complex situation. Exactly. So, and it seems as though people are moving into cities, whether the cities are ready for it, whether the infrastructure is ready for it or not. Exactly. They're, they're just coming. Exactly. Yeah. So, when, when they're moving into cities, life is often difficult for these people? Yeah, they're, they're in a, a period of transition. They're trying to find somewhere to live. They're, I mean, obviously, there's some people who move into cities like New York because they've got a great employment prospects. There are other people who just move in 
they have nothing. They've got to start somewhere. So you have all sorts of problems with overcrowding, um, sanitation, just a whole long list of, of things like that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. China, for example, you know, they announced in January this year that for the first time in China, more people are now living in cities than out in the villages. Yeah. It's amazing, yeah. isn't it? It really is. So with, with these cities, how influential are these cities around the world? Are they just their own units or, or are they exerting some influence that's beyond the boundaries of the cities? I think that the cities are the influence setters. They, they, they set the pace. You know, New York um, coughs and the world catches a, a cold because you have the thought leaders, you have the um, financial leaders, you have people in education and they are leading the way in terms of social thinking, social behaviour. It, it really sounds like these large cities set the agenda for the rest of mm -hmm. the planet. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you go to somewhere like Los Angeles with the entertainment industry. I mean, their influence is going around the world. I don't, I don't care which village you go to in Asia, there's going to be someone watching a Hollywood movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Now, now, biblically speaking, should is there some sort of a mandate, is there some sort of indication from the biblical text that we should be doing something for cities? You know, I like to go back to the book of Jonah mm -hmm. and where God concludes and he turns to Jonah and said, should I not be concerned about this great city? Yeah. And, you know, we have the picture of Jesus crying over Jerusalem, you know, mm. and we have this marvelous text in Jeremiah where God is talking to the exiles going to Babylon. And he says, when you go to Babylon, I want you to seek the shalom of the city. And shalom is a very rich Hebrew word, meaning peace, welfare, prosperity. And he's saying to them, look, when you go to Babylon, don't keep yourself in some sort of a Jewish enclave, separate from the people. I want you to actually be engaged in the city, be an influence for good, make a difference. And then he says that when you seek the shalom of the city, you will find your own shalom. So as we work for the city, for its prosperity, for its well-being, for its welfare, we ourselves will be blessed. Mm, mm. And turning to the New Testament, yeah. the, the Apostle Paul visited many of those cities and many of the, the New Testament books or epistles are named after the great cities yeah. of the ancient like Romans, Rome, yeah. Ephesus, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, Corinth. These were enormous cities and it seems as though the, the apostles didn't ignore those and just did the village work around the edges of those cities. But the text indicates how they were embedded in those cities and ministering in those cities. Exactly. And, and it looks very much like they actually had a strategy that they would go to the cities because even back then they were the influence centres. And there is lots and lots of evidence that the early Christian church was an urban movement. Mm. In fact, by AD 300, um, most of the cities were Christianized. And in fact, the word pagan means of the country in the rural area. Okay. So the pagans were the people in the rural area, the Christians were in the cities. Completely the reverse. Reverse yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. Now, w working in those large cities, what, what are some of the challenges <laughs> that we encounter today? Why, yeah. why is it so tough? You know, there's a long list of factors. I mean, first of all, just the sheer size mm -hmm. of the populations there. Um, but then you have issues such as people are busier. 
Yeah. Um, people are better educated. Um, there are so many different diversions and things to take people's attention. Uh, if, for example, someone goes to a village in rural India mm -hmm. and comes in to do some sort of an evangelistic program, the whole town will turn up. It's the best show in town. It's probably the only show. <laughs> it's the only it? show in town. And, you know, you see the ph phenomenal success of the Jesus film, for example, where thousands of people turn up. You go into the heart of New York City, run the same program, and you're going to have a little bit more competition. You know, there are theatres, there are restaurants, there are museums, there are hundreds of different activities. Uh, people tend to be more hardened in the cities. They've heard it all before. You know, they're going to ask you harder questions. They, they will tend to ask you harder questions. Then just the sheer logistics of reaching people. Many people live in apartment buildings where you can't even get access unless you know somebody in the building who will let you in. So no knocking on doors or distributing literature, you can't even get in there. So the personal contact, you know, people often talk about how the loneliest place can be in a crowd or in a city. So it is harder to make that personal contact in, in cities as well. By the yeah, side. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And plus you also, you also have the, the rich and the poor and it's much more expensive to work in a city. Oh, yeah. 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 And that consumes the time and one thing leads to another. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks, Gary. Stay right okay. where you are. We'll be right back. Ministry in Motion will be straight back after the break. Welcome back. Our guest today is Gary Krauss, and we're exploring reaching out to the large cities of the world. Gary, we, we looked in the last, before the break, at how the, what the challenges are. Tell us, what are some of the best methods, effective methods, with reaching these enormous cities? You know, it seems that the Christian church has tried just about everything. Um, there has been a, I, want, I don't want to say a reluctance, but there's been a hesitation regarding urban ministry because many people have seen the cities as a place of sinfulness, place of bad influences, a place that um, we go into, share the gospel and then kind of run out where it's safe again. Mm -hmm. um, but what we're seeing is that effective ministry in urban areas requires long-term, on-the-ground, ongoing ministry. And I like the way that um, Ellen White summarizes what she calls Christ's method. First of all, he mingled with people. Mm -hmm. And we can unpack this, but, Please too, do. but too often we don't mingle. You know, yeah. we, we give lip service to it, but we have the church building here, and then we have the community out here, and we sit in the church building and we make our plans. Okay, we're going to do this strategy to reach these people. We're going to use this method. And usually it involves how can we attract them into our four walls? So we need to be friendlier people. We need, to, we need to shake hands when people come in, make them feel welcome. Mm. We need to have better music. We need to have better preaching and make this place an attractive people, place for people to come. But you know what? In the cities, the people just keep walking past because mm. they can get better music somewhere else. I mean, they, they, they get friendship in their own social uh, network to a certain extent. But there's these four walls of the church that are such a barrier. They're a barrier culturally. Um, people in there, you know, they, they wear different clothes, they talk differently, they use a different language to us. There's the um, barrier of those people in there are intolerant 
all they ever do is criticize homosexuals. Mm. Um, there's the barrier of history. Those people in there are Christians and half the wars in world's history have been started by religious. So there's all these sort of mm -hmm. negatives. Mm -hmm. And whatever we do, we may get a few straight people come in who are attracted, but really we need to knock down those walls and we need to find ways. How do we, they're not going to come to us. Yeah. So how do we go to them? How do we mingle and become one with them? Well, that's a question I'd love to ask you, actually. Yeah. How, how do we mingle? Can you cite some examples where it's effectively happening? Somewhere in the world where, where Christians are mingling effectively. What are they doing yeah. to, to reach people and their lives and touch them? You know, there are, there are, there are many examples of, of, of churches that will do things like they'll run a, a soup kitchen or help with a soup kitchen. Mm -hmm. Examples of churches that are 100% committed to 24-7 mingling are very few yeah. and far between. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think of my, my brother's church in Australia. They have a very, they, they place community service on a very high level. What, what do they do? Okay, well, well, one thing, for example, they noticed that the nearby public school didn't have any... Um, they, they had a lot of kids arriving of a morning who hadn't had a proper breakfast. Sounds like the busyness of the city had really caught up with them. Yeah, and, and also some of these are poorer families where, yeah. you know, the kids just race off without getting a proper breakfast. So they talked with the administration of the school and said, we want to help out. So they started a program where they started providing breakfast for these kids at school Monday through Friday. They, and this is the next step that Ellen White talks about that Jesus mingled, and as he mingled, he showed sympathy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, often Christian churches aren't seen as organizations that show sympathy. And Jesus showed sympathy, and then number three, he, he ministered to needs. Yeah. So it's the mingling, showing sympathy, and ministering to needs. And, uh, I, you know, I can think, for example, of Andrew Clark in Pennsylvania, um, back a few years ago in Pittsburgh, Hurricane Ivan hit. There was flooding, people lost their homes. And Andrew, as a young graduate, moved into um, Pittsburgh to head up Adventist Community Services, help people rebuild their lives, got involved in all manner of activities, getting their houses back, activities for the young people, little industries and um, teen programs, and just got totally involved mingling with the community. Fantastic. And, and we find over and over again that the highest correlation with church growth is community involvement. Those churches that are growing are involved in the community. Those churches that aren't growing are not involved in the community. Interesting. You know, can I come back to your, your brother's church yeah. example in Australia? Sure, he feeds those kids, but has it gone anywhere? Is he just filling their bellies in the morning and wishing them a good day? Is he pushing the gospel onto them? Uh, or, or how's that, is it developing in any way? Well, what happens is in this Christ method, you have the mingling, the showing sympathy, the ministering to needs. The next step is you win confidence. Right. Um, and that's crucial mm -hmm. that, that as a natural result of following Christ's method, people start to trust you. Yeah. And so I guess it was like three years down the track the principal of that state school, public school, decided we need a chaplain. The school is growing. We need these kids to be cared for. In secular Australia? In secular Australia, public school, we need a chaplain. So she's sitting at a desk thinking, now where am I going to find a chaplain? <laughs> Any guess where she went? Uh, breakfast? <laughs> yeah. So she went to my brother's church and now there is a, 
a young woman who was a member of my brother's church, who's a full-time chaplain at the public school paid for by the Australian government. So she is there now mingling with the teachers and the kids in that community. But yeah, the, the, the winning confidence um, is then the platform for the last step, which is um, f where Jesus says, follow me. Uh. And so this is not some sort of artificial thing that we throw on the end that we put on the top of the method. It's the natural result of the mingling, the ministering to needs and the winning confidence. But too often we try to short circuit that. Yeah, yeah. We want to get to the bid people to follow, follow Jesus, but in a sense we haven't earned the right. Yes. And so we come to people with, a, with an intellectual, here's the reasons why you need to believe this or that, and they couldn't care less. Exactly. They want to know whether this thing works, not whether it's right or not. Yeah. And it sounds as though they need to be touched in, in the humanitarian, in the compassionate, in the understanding of, of their situation. And we earn that trust, as you say, yeah. to be able to, to minister and to, to build a relationship with them. Yeah. Fascinating insights that aren't necessarily rocket science, Gary. It's not new. It's yeah. exactly what Jesus did. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion, where we're exploring how to reach out to those large cities. Derek Morris is joining us, our co-host. Thanks, Derek. And Gary, from your position at the world headquarters of the Adventist Church, where you oversee Adventist mission around the world, those challenges we've explored about reaching cities, one of the challenges is this reaching out, mingling with people, it doesn't happen in a weekend, does it? No, it's a commitment of time. Yeah. And too often, Anthony, we just want the results. And so we skip the first stages of Christ's method and we leap straight into the telling people what they should be, believe and follow Jesus. Because we, we, we like instant success. We want the numbers. I mean, let's be candid. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it is a commitment of time. It's a commitment of holistic incarnational ministry but if it was good enough for Jesus it has to be good enough for us to take that time to grow people yeah. and, and so forth yeah well, I was telling you before about Andrew Clark in Pittsburgh he yeah. got some criticism because he was following Christ's method you know some of the saints on the sidelines were saying well we've, you've been there now for two or three years there's no baptisms all you're doing is social activity we're not running a humanitarian agency here what have you got to show for exactly. yourself exactly yeah I'll never forget opening up my email one morning and Andy had written, HELP, capital letters, exclamation mark. He said, I have 70 requests for Bible studies. Now, these 70 requests had just come naturally 70. through the process. 70 requests. He said, I need a Bible worker. Can't do it all myself. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's phenomenal, isn't it, Derek? It is really back to planting seed will eventually yield a harvest. And, and I think of the ministry of Jesus, uh, Gary. He spent a lot of time just meeting people's needs. And yet the flourishing of the Christian church uh, during the time of, of the apostles was really the result of that, of that ministry. Yeah. Uh, and I, th I think when we're looking at urban ministry, this is just so essential. Literature is important. Media is important. Internet is important. Um, Public evangelism is important, 
but it has to be married with on-the-ground, long-term, holistic connection with the community. We can't do drive-by evangelism. Mm, mm. We have to be committed on the ground, long-term like Jesus. Okay, now let's, let's just consider some of the other churches that we have in the world. Yeah. There's a lot of churches in, in smaller communities realizing that they need to target their community, but the bulk of the world's population is in these cities. What can a, a rural church do to reach a city? Is there anything that they can do? Well, as you say, their first responsibility is their community. But often these, these churches are doing quite well financially. They're, they've got good memberships. Why can't they start praying and planning about, are we called to perhaps plant a church mm. in the urban areas? Can we be a mother church to pray for, to support, to send a group into the city? Send missionaries? Send missionaries. We're, we, you know, we've got to get away from this idea that missionaries are just people who go overseas. We are all, as followers of Jesus, called to be missionaries. And so instead of sitting in the pew every Sabbath, um, just being filled personally, what are we doing? What commitment do we have to get out there into the community? So, yeah, that's what I would suggest. We need more church plants in the cities. Yeah. Maybe in somebody's home, in an apartment. I don't care where it is. Yeah. You know, I was in Asia recently, and they have various movements, like the Thousand Missionary Movement and the Pioneer Missionaries and the His Hands Missionaries, some committing for a few months, some for a whole year, some for many years. And many of those might live in small rural areas, small communities, but many of them, because more than half of the world's population live in big cities, many of them are going as missionaries to those urban centers. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's something that can make a difference. Yeah. The Pennsylvania Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, just north of where we are here, they have a program in place where they're actually providing accommodation in the cities where young people can come in for like a year of their time and actually be an urban missionary. So they're involved in, in ministry there in the urban areas. We need to pr create those sort of opportunities. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Are there any other ideas that you've, you've found of examples of great things? Um, how's, how's Andrew's church? Is it s still... Well, Andrew's moved on to Philadelphia <laughs> now, but the, uh, a church planter has come in to take over where he's working. They have a group there that is growing. And these are people not coming from um, other Christian backgrounds. These are people who are, have never attended church. Mm -hmm. so, so, yeah, yeah that, that's growing. And, you know, we see, we see some examples of people who are committed to um, connecting with the community. I think of Pastor McCready in Philadelphia who was so involved in community activities that he got a call to pastor in Washington, D.C., and all the community leaders got together, went to the mayor to position to get him to stay in Philadelphia. Mm, wow. that, that, sort of, that sort of commitment. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll go back to my, my brother's church again, this, this value of, of being connected to the community. There, there's a skateboard park outside of the place where they worship. So every Sabbath after, after the worship service, they go out and they provide a meal to these kids in the skateboard park, you know, just keeping Very that practical. connection. With the, with the community. So I guess in t there's not too much graffiti on his church. When <laughs> not yeah. that sca all skateboarders graffiti, but... Yeah, yeah. 
they make friends with the community. They don't see the community as something out there. Mm. It's something that in which everyone needs to feel as, you know, they, they, they even call it the Central Coast Community Church, a Seventh-day Adventist church. But number one, they want people to know this is a church for the community, not just for Adventists. Yeah. This is, this is for, for, for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a remarkable thing that's happening in our world with, with this phenomenal growth and the opportunities that we have. One statistic, just coming back to the, the growth, I understand that more than 200,000 people every day are leaving rural communities and moving to the cities. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like an enormous field that we, we really need to reach and minister to. And we've tended to neglect it. Yeah. It's a whole lot easier working in the villages. It, exactly. And yeah. probably, you know, we need to pray for each other. I know for myself, I grew up in a city. I go back to the big cities and sometimes it feels a little intimidating. It's tough. Uh, people are a little more aggressive in the cities. You don't look in people's eyes in the cities and they'll give you a reaction. I think we need to earnestly pray that God would protect us, give us courage to go back into those urban areas and to reach them with the love of God. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for joining us as well. Where we've looked at reaching out to those urban centres. If you'd like to, to discover more about this, we have resources on our website, ministryinmotion.tv, where you can access not only all of the programs that's ever been presented on, in this program, but also other resources as well. We're also very eager to hear back from you, feedback. And you can email your comments to us uh, the, the email address is feedback at ministryinmotion.tv. Share with us your ideas, guests that we, we could incorporate onto the program as well. We're eager to hear from you. But until our next program, we pray that God will bless you in your ministry.